Acts chapter 4, which is the outpouring of the Spirit. I think I'm a little... Can you turn me down a little bit? The outpouring of the Spirit when the apostles prayed to God for, for, for grace after the first persecution, the first arrest of Peter and John. Uh, they, go, they go back and, and they have a prayer meeting. And so we're going to look at that prayer as a guide for us when our lives become unmanageable and when we have to ask God for help. It's Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is the word of God for the children of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today with all kinds of challenges, all kinds of burdens, with areas in our life that have become unmanageable. Pray that you would forgive us for our tendency to look everywhere else for help. And now as we look at your word, show us how we can approach you in prayer, bring our burdens to you, and experience your presence, experience your help, and experience your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to look at today is how we respond to stress. When life happens, when our world becomes unmanageable, when we don't have the power or the solutions to the issues we face, how do you deal with that? Sometimes I think we deal with it by getting uh, distracted. You know, there's an endless supply of funny cat videos on YouTube. You can watch those for a whole weekend instead of thinking about your problems. Or sometimes we, uh, are, we, we divert ourselves. We, we turn to anger, we turn to addiction, we turn to control, trying to control things that don't matter because the things that do matter are so far beyond our control. Or sometimes we try to take action in any way we can, no matter how destructive it is, you know? I think that's the challenge with being a middle-class American. We can, there's always something we can do. We can send lawyers, send guns, send money, do something to solve the problem. What the Bible invites the children of God to do is to make prayer our default thing. And so what I want to look at today is the book of Acts. The thing that's striking about the apostles and striking about the movement of Christianity in, in the first century is these guys actually had nothing. This prayer meeting is provoked by the fact that Peter and John, their two leaders, had just been arrested and threatened with their lives and then released. 
and the, the authorities were clearly lining up against them. The th authorities were, were getting ready to eradicate their, their little movement, such as it was, and they didn't know what to do, and they had no resources, they had no recourse, they had no power, they had nothing else to do, and so they go back and they pray. And if you read the book of Acts, one of the things you realize is the reason that a, a, a group of nobodies were able to conquer the Roman, spread throughout the Roman Empire in one generation and conquer the Roman Empire in three generations is not because of the resources they had, but because they were willing to look to the one who has all the power. You know, I think, I firmly believe in my own life, I've come to see, and I, I believe this for all of you as well, is that sometimes God puts you and puts me in circumstances where things are absolutely out of control precisely because it's only then that we're going to start to pray and mean it. And so look at the areas in your life. Maybe it's a, a family circumstance. Maybe it's a health circumstance. Maybe it's a job circumstance or a roommate situation. The, the situations you are dealing with in your life that you can't fix, that you can't manage, that you don't know if you can possibly handle those, look at those circumstances perhaps as the push that God is giving you to become a person of prayer so that you can discover a power that transcends all of those things. So let's, let's look at their prayer. just want to go through four things that are a paradigm, I think, for any Christian prayer. These, this was a prayer that they prayed, but, but their model of prayer is available to us right here and right now. This is the prayer of Peter and John, the, the apostles who had walked with Jesus for all those years, but it's also a prayer that you right here in Hoboken 2,000 years later can pray as well. For, the first thing I want you to see is they, they claimed amazing access they get on their knees and they pray. And what do they pray? Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They knew who they were praying to. You know, remember in the first century among the pagans, there was this tradition of all these local deities, deities that, that operated in various towns, deities that were in charge of beauty or of war or of love or different things like that, deities for, for different regions of the country or different nationalities. But... These guys aren't messing around with local deities. They go right to the top. The sovereign Lord who sovereignly created all things. And they have the boldness as followers of Christ. They have the boldness as Christians. They have the boldness as believers to go right to the sovereign Lord, the creator of all things, to make their request. See, prayer at its essence is access to power. It's access to the sovereign Lord who's the creator and the sustainer of all things. And we know in life, access is everything. And anything that you're trying to accomplish in life, probably your success is going to be de defined or limited to the extent that you do or do not have access to the people in position of power. If you're looking for a job, you know the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. If you're trying to improve your social life, trying to get to know more people, it's just a question of what relationships do you have. If you're trying to sell into a company, the question is always, who do you know in that company who might get me in the door? Access is everything in, almost, in every area of life. 
And the amazing thing about Christian prayer, the amazing thing about the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the amazing thing about the apostles' prayer, the amazing thing about the invitation to prayer that all of you have extended by God is that we have access to the sovereign Lord, the creator of all things. He is available when your life becomes unmanageable, when you feel powerless, he invites you to ask him to help you with your circumstances. So they exhibit amazing access. They know who they're praying to, and then they also know what they're praying. Then they go right into a quote that comes from Psalm chapter 2. They say, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth... Rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Right there, they're quoting Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 is a psalm that, that we learn is actually about Jesus ascending into heaven and about the fact that all the nations of the earth are arrayed against him. Because prayer is based on a relationship with God. And, you know, relationships are based on communication, and communication goes two ways. And in our relationship with God, God speaks to us through his word, and then we speak to God through prayer. That's, that's the basis of, of our intimacy with God, our, our connection with God. But you know, in relationships, sometimes you want to remind someone you're in a relationship with of something they said to you once. Remember you said always that if... Uh, if I cook, you'll do the dishes. Remember how you said that? Well, look at the sink. Uh, so, you know, sometimes in relationships, we remind people of what they said to us before. And in our relationship with God and in prayer, one of the things that, that, that people through the centuries model is bringing to God in prayer our, or reminding God in our prayers of what God has said to us claiming the promises of God, following the call of God, and affirming the truths that God teaches in his word. And so one of the best things you can do, you know, sometimes it's like, well, how do I talk to God? How do you have a one-way conversation with God? And the answer is you don't. You have a two-way conversation with God. God speaks to us as we look at his word, and then we speak to God in prayer. And sometimes... You know, so much of the Bible, particularly the book of Psalms, which is quoted here, is a book of prayers that can provide a guide for us of how to talk to God and what we should say to God and what it means to be in connection with God. And so that's why Bible study is so important. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It shouldn't be. But as we look at the Bible, as we remember the Bible, as you, you know, cut out or, or copy various verses from the Bible... And, uh, and tape, tape them above, above your desk or whatever you might be inclined to do, use those verses as guides to prayer. Use those verses as prompts to prayer and, and use that to increase your connection to God. So, so they, they affirm their access. They're talking to the uh, sovereign Lord who created all things. They're connected to him by his word but then they also affirm their trust in his perfect plan. Look at verses 27 and 28. This reminds them of how it is that God operates. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, 
whom you anointed. And they just did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What are they referring to there? Well, they're referring to the fact that they were followers of the Messiah, remember? And they had gone into Jerusalem thinking that the Messiah, Jesus, was going to take over Jerusalem, and instead he was rejected by the crowds, he was arrested by the authorities, he was denied by his disciples, he was beaten, and he was hung on a cross, and he died. And they learned in retrospect that this was all part of God's plan. All of that disaster, all that pain, all that agony that the Messiah experienced was exactly, verse 28, what God's will and power had decided beforehand should happen. See, the story of Jesus is the paradigm for for all of us of how God is working in our life. The story of Jesus shows us what it means to follow God. And what does the story of Jesus tell us? That sometimes the most confusing things that happen in our life, the things that are the most inexplicable to us, are actually showing us the amazing wisdom of God. And sometimes the most humiliating things that happen to us are actually opportunities for us to to experience the greatest glory. Sometimes the most painful things that happen to us are actually going to be the most restorative. Sometimes when it seems like God has abandoned us, God is actually working in ways we cannot comprehend. Sometimes our greatest defeats are going to be our greatest victories. The Bible says that you died and your life is now hid with Christ in God. And it's, it's in our connection, our union with Christ, that we experience God's hand. And, and let me tell you something that's certain about life. If you live long enough, you're going to experience confusing things. You're going to experience humiliating things. You're going to experience painful things. You're going to experience those defeats. But it's sometimes... It's in those defeats that God is at work. It's through those defeats and through those difficulties that God's plan is, is, is working. And see, the apostles learned from the story of Christ that God's will and God's power decided beforehand that His Son would go into Jerusalem and be arrested and be condemned and be humiliated and be hung on a cross and would die. Because through that, God's wise plan, God's power, and God's restoration would ultimately come to pass. And as we follow Christ, we experience those things, and we don't understand what God is doing. We don't understand why God is doing things. And yet, to live by faith, to live by trust, is to believe that God is working all these things for good in ways that we can't understand and can't comprehend, but can believe in because, because of Jesus. So, and, and you see in the book of Acts how God used the persecution that the apostles and, and the other disciples experienced. He used that to accomplish things that were greater and more glorious than anything they could have imagined. And so we pray in trust when painful things happen, when it feels like God has forsaken us, when we feel like we can't handle things anymore, when we feel like our best intentions have fallen apart, we can pray and trust that God knows what he's doing and God is even going to use this devastation and God is going to use this brokenness 
for a greater purpose that we can't conceive right now. And sometimes, I firmly believe this in my own life, the way we know that for sure and the way we experience that is because God gives us those circumstances, God makes our life unmanageable, God messes up our plans just to bring us to a place where we're actually praying. And God's whole agenda and all that he did in your life, perhaps sometimes it's just so that you'll go into your bedroom and close the door and get on your knees in your bed and pray and call out to God and say, God, have mercy on me. God, help me right here. Perhaps God's plan for your life is simply to bring you to a place of prayer. So they, they affirm their, their, their unity with Christ, that just as God worked through Herod and Pontius Pilate to devastate Christ so that Christ might devastate sin and death once and for all. God is going to work through them and through their confusing circumstance. And then finally, notice this, finally they get to their request. And I think their request is the most instructive. Here these guys have been arrested, they've been threatened, they've been beaten up. It's been made clear to them that if they don't stop preaching, they don't don't stop what they're doing, bad things are going to happen. And so they, they pray this, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, it's interesting to me because I think if I had been one of those apostles and I had been leading this prayer, I might have said something like, consider their threats and obliterate them. You know, send a ball of fire down and just make an example of all these people who would dare threaten your church. Or maybe I'd say, you know, consider their threats and please keep us safe. You know, I've got a family, I've got children, you know, I would just like to be safe. But that's not what they say. They say, consider their threats and come what may, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And I think that's instructive for all of us in prayer as we go through unmanageable circumstances with the unmanageable people in our lives, with with, uh, difficulties within our family or difficulties at work or difficulties with our neighbor or whatever it is we're facing. You know, rather than than fixating and focusing on on that person or that relationship or that circumstance to say, God, in the midst of this, help me to do the right thing. The apostles say, well, consider their threats and help me to continue to to speak your word with boldness. And so we can pray in the midst of whatever difficulty you might be facing right now to pray, God, you know this circumstance and just help me right here and right now to do the right thing. Help me right here and right now to say the right thing. Help me right here and right now to know what the wise thing to do is and then give me the strength to do that. You know, someone has said, what happens to you means nothing. But your response to what happens to you is everything. And so they're praying and they're taking their eyes off of of the, the people who are threatening them, taking their eyes off of their difficult circumstances and saying, God, what we care about right here and right now is that I might do the right thing in the midst of this difficult circumstance. And then he says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders in the name of your servant Jesus. 
And you know what he was talking about there. He's talking about in, in the life of Jesus and in the continuing ministry of the apostles that they were able to do all kinds of spectacular things. They, they were able to cleanse the lepers and make the lame walk and make the blind see and feed the 5,000 all these other great things they were able to do. And a lot of people say, well, of course the early church was powerful. They were able to do all these signs and wonders. But remember this. What was, what's the point of a sign? The point of a sign is to point itself to some, a greater reality, right? You don't stop at the sign. The sign points you to the thing you really need. You know, if you're really feeling uncomfortable right now, you might get up and go looking for the sign that says men's room. Just because, not, not to see the sign, but because what's behind that sign is the thing that you need at that moment. And so, you know, we use signs to point to a greater reality. And Jesus did signs and wonders, and the apostles did signs and wonders to point to the greater reality, the reality that God's kingdom had come, that God's work had begun, and that God was in the process of restoring all things to himself. And I believe that God can continue to use your life, and especially your response to difficult circumstances, your response to difficulties in relationships, your response to problems at work and problems in your life, as God's power works in you and as God's power works on you, that your response to these things can be a sign to others who are watching. Your response to these things and God's help for you can be a, a reminder to, to you that God is in control and God has a wonderful plan and he's proven that to you and he's proven that to me through sending his son who according to his plan, according to what his will and power decided beforehand should happen, would be despised and rejected, arrested and humiliated, and executed on a cross so that through his death, through his suffering, through his loss, ultimate restoration might happen, that sin and death would be defeated once and for all for everybody who trusts in him. Let's pray. Father, I, you know the circumstances of each one here. You know the things we need to pray for. And so, Lord, in, in this moment, I just want to give a, give a moment for everyone here to, to pray for the, the unmanageable circumstance, the problem that they can't solve in their life. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ who entered into our brokenness, our pain, and our loss and endured it with us so that he could conquer it in our behalf. And I pray that you would be with us, that our actions would show a watching world and remind us ourselves of his power, his grace, and his sufficiency. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.